Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. Thanks for joining us. And as always, check us out on iTunes. Leave a rating and review over there. It really helps us out. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast. I am Kurt Whithelm, my co-host, Katie Vernoy. And we hear from quite a few of you that amongst the many things that come up in therapists' lives are our health. And some of us are run-of-the-mill sick. You might hear that in Katie and my voices today, but there's also sometimes people who face more chronic health issues. And here to talk to us about that today is marriage and family therapist, Daniela Paoloni. She's in Westlake Village, California. She specializes in chronic health issues. And thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, having my own kind of milder chronic issues. And so to me, it's it's something where the piece that I am hoping that we'll talk about is, is how we can help clients that have these issues, but also when we have them ourselves, how we how we manage them. So we always start out with, you know, who are you and what are you putting out in the world? That's a daunting question. Okay. <laughs> Who are you? Let's, let's get philosophical. I know. Let's, let's go there. Um, okay. So I'm a marriage and family therapist. Um, I, I've been in private practice for uh, over two years now. And in those two years, it's been an evolution of, of my identity of who, how I recognize and see myself and how I want to present myself in the world professionally and how much did I want to align with the population of chronic pain and chronic illness Um, And I was just kind of like, let's go for it because I just felt for me personally as a person seeking that kind of a need for a therapist who understood that experience, I wasn't getting it. And it was really frustrating for me on a personal level. And I thought, hmm, if I'm going through this, um, I'm sure a lot of people are where they're just not finding that right fit. And so it's been a, a marriage of these two things, like a personal meeting of the minds with the professional direction I wanted to go into because it's really personal and uh, a passion I have to just try and help people get that kind of support where otherwise they might not have it at all. So, so yeah, so I'm licensed in California. I'm also licensed in Wyoming. So I provide in-person counseling here in California in addition to online, but for Wyoming, it's strictly online. So I'm, you know, kind of evolving in that way too, which is exciting. That is very exciting. I have a kind of an interesting question. I think when we start doing 
the work that we do based on kind of a need we identified in the marketplace, it can be, it can really impact how we approach our practice. And so I'm just really curious, what were the things that you found missing from therapists who didn't have that knowledge? Like, what were you coming up against that, that really drove you to say like, Hey, this is a need and people aren't filling it. I'd have to say from what I learned from my friends who also had health issues, but also mostly at first, it was what my own experience was being on that other side of the couch, being the patient and, and having therapists who were well-meaning, but were not as action oriented or collaborative as I would have liked. It was more of, let's say the traditional, oh, you know, let's explore the feelings and let's talk about that. Of course, all of that is very important, but I wanted more. I wanted more structure and I wanted someone who could relate and none of them could relate really. And so that was the part that was missing. I, I really wanted someone to say, I've been there. I haven't been in your same exact situation, but I can understand it because I have an autoimmune condition or my spouse has, you know, even if it's the spouse, that does shed a whole new light onto the experience of, of, you know, what that person with a health issue is going through. But if there's no backstory there for that clinician, then for me as the patient at that time, that was the part that was missing. And I was needing someone to meet me at that level of understanding. Um, And the closest I could find were therapists who utilized like cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, and that isn't a bad intervention. It's just, I think it falls short and it has its limitations within this population. There's definitely that relational component that you're looking for and kind of that just understanding the day-to-day aspects of just even something, you know, is opening the the fridge and seeing a a vast amount of things that might be difficult to open or something like that. So on the other side of this, Katie and I are such big advocates of being very open about our experiences. How open do you get about your day-to-day struggles, your struggles with illness and with your clients? Yeah, I think that's also an evolution too of my own comfort level of how much do I disclose? And I think I've decided, well, over over this time frame, I've decided to disclose however much is relatable or relevant or helpful to that client. So I have had interactions with clients where there is a lot of overlap in our diagnoses or symptoms or medical procedures and the experience, the general experience of life and how your body was before surgery and after and how you need to adapt and adjust accordingly. So I think under those particular circumstances, that's when I will disclose more because I find I just intuitively have that impression like this is what they're really needing, especially if there's someone in their 20s or 30s and female because I -hmm. I started having health issues at 28 and I'm 36 now and I think that's a whole other unique experience perhaps because when you think of chronic illness and chronic pain, you kind of don't think of someone under the age of 40. Uh, yeah. you know, it's usually, oh, those are for people who are older, grandma, grandpa, maybe your parents, but not you, not a millennial or you know whatever age demographic. So I kind of just take it as a client by client basis. And so it sounds like probably in marketing, you let people know that there is something there, but the specifics and the day-to-day is more on a client-by-client basis. Yeah. And what I'll do is I'll talk about the, like the general experiences of, you know, the day-to-day like, oh yeah, you know, I'll say, you know, I'm in a, I'm having a flare up right now. My body's hurting a little bit more. If you see me shifting in my seat, you know, 
don't read into it too much. I'm just working on getting more comfortable or whatever. So I'm, I'm actually modeling self-care for them and like letting them know it's okay to talk about it. And, you know, if they need to do something similar, that's okay. So it's kind of a way to give them permission to also honor their situation, what their body needs, but just, you know, I'll give them the backstory of, of me having had health issues happen at age 28. Cause that is also a unique experience. Mm-hmm. A good friend of mine has had chronic illness since the age of 12 and she and I are close in age. So her experiences in mine have some overlap, but also are quite different. Yeah. Right. So I think getting into like the themes of people not understanding or feeling isolated, things like that. I will bring in a little bit of the personal to, to help join and meet them where they're at. I think that's so important. I think about, you know, cause I've had chronic illnesses since I was 16, more kind of autoimmune and, and those kinds of things. And they're very well managed. So I, I can kind of pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that experience, I think does really impact the relationships and even in the conversations and being able to, to empathize and sympathize and being able to adjust and, and normalize is so important. And I, I think that something that that folks who don't have those things won't even think about because they haven't, I don't know if we're going to go too in the, in the rabbit hole where Kurt's not going to follow us, but kind of the whole spoony thing and being able to talk about, you know, kind of how many spoons you have left for the day. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm jumping in with the Captain America reference of, I get that reference. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and so I will we'll, we'll link to you the story of, of the Spoonie thing in the show notes so you can hear more about it because it talks. It, it's a good way to describe how chronic illness can impact somebody on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. But I think being able just to have that knowing can be very helpful. And it's, it's something that I don't think a lot of folks who, who don't have health problems even think about. And so I guess, you know, I'm kind of jumping forward because we, we usually ask this question towards the end, but kind of therapists that don't have that experience are going to have clients that have chronic illnesses. I mean, I think there's just so many things that can lead to those types of of things. And so what do they typically get wrong? You said not enough structure earlier, and I'd love to hear kind of what kind of structure you think is helpful for folks who are dealing with chronic illness. But I think there's other pieces that I think get really missed. And so I'm just curious on your impression and what you've heard from clients Mm -hmm. who've potentially had, you know, kind of experiences with other therapists before to kind of flavor that in? Yeah, I think the the biggest lead uh, or recommendation I could say is really do a good job assessing the client's level of functioning because mm-hmm. chronic illness is on a spectrum. They could be functioning well, like you describe yourself, Katie, where you know it's managed well with medication and whatnot. And then there are other people who are literally bedridden or mm-hmm. it takes a lot of energy just to get up and out of bed and take a shower and then they're exhausted and they got to go back to sleep. So really assessing their level of functioning, how much energy do they have? How much can they, you know, do quote unquote on a normal day and then tailor your, your therapy that way? Because if they're in a lot of pain, if they're dealing with a lot of inflammation, a lot of medical issues, they, the pain and the illness is kind of taking the lead. And I think about, I'm a little neuroscience geek uh, over here. And, and if they're in that level of distress, their nervous system is like probably in a lot of the stress state more than the rest state. So they're not going to cognitively be able to go there with you in an intellectual, in-depth, insight-oriented process. It's just not there. And I, I wonder, too, from kind of the business end, from the clinicians end, how this must impact things like late cancellations that would come up from, you know, pain flare-ups or, you know, I, I think that I'm going to have a good day. It turns into a bad day very quickly. 
how do you structure your business around clients where this is such a probably a prevalent issue? Yeah, I would say with my current caseload, it's not as prevalent, but it fluctuates. So I, I would say a good way that I approach it also is I kind of set the, the, the foundation with them early on, you know, about cancellation policy, but I'm also understanding, you know, you have health issues and things. So just to kind of have that dialogue and say, hey, by the way, I might be the other person needing to cancel because I'm having a flare up. That might be the case. And if it's a, a persistent thing, well, that's why in my practice, I have a combination of in-office and online. Because as of now, most of my sessions online are during the week. So I only do sessions from home online during the week, which is great because if someone has to cancel and reschedule, it's a lot easier logistically for both of us to reschedule it online. And then I meet with clients in the office on the weekends. So I would say the online piece is a really helpful resource because it's helpful for both of us on that uh, level of we're taking care of our needs and maybe they are not well enough to come in the office or they're not feeling safe and well enough to drive because they've just started taking new medication and it's making them lightheaded. I mean, it could be so many things. And so giving them that alternative, it's, it makes the cancellation policy and more flexible and rescheduling more feasible. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Yeah, it's amazing how technology is assisted with that. I mean, I think obviously before the the telehealth, the, you know, the video telehealth, there, there was phone calls and that kind of stuff. But just having that flexibility and being able to go there, I think is really critical because I think so many people would, I'm, I'm imagining with other therapists would just fail out because they miss too many sessions, they cancel too, too close to time, they're trying, they're moving their schedule around. And so I think that's wonderful that you have that that flexibility with both a technological solution as well as just understanding where they're coming from and kind of saying, hey, let's collaborate together so we can meet as much as possible given our own health. Mm -hmm. and Absolutely. And of course, you, you know, on a case-by-case -case basis, you have to like determine is online and okay, is it clinically appropriate? You know, it's obviously not a good fit for everyone, but also just being realistic, you know, they're probably, if they're dealing with a multitude of health issues, they're probably really busy just trying to navigate all their doctor's appointments. Yeah. They may have a job, they may not have a job, but trying to navigate and tailor in, take into account drive time to go into the office and meet and then go home, that might not be logistically feasible for them either. So 
when I kind of explain it in that way, they're like, they're, they're really relieved and appreciative that there's that option. And I think it's also a therapeutic intervention in a way because it helps teach them that, Hey, there are alternatives. Not everything is black and white. There are some ways to still achieve what I want to. I just have to think about creative ways to get it done. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about this whole team of people because oftentimes when you have a chronic illness, there's a lot of different doctors and specialists. How often do you work to kind of consult with the medical professionals, the kind of the more traditional medical professionals on the case? You know, I guess it depends on a case by case basis. Um, I might be able to reach out, but then it just depends also on their and their willingness to participate in that collaborative process and also realizing Oftentimes they're just very strapped for free time as well. So trying to navigate that, you know, I have been able to kind of um, have a good working relationship with a few psychiatrists in the area, which is wonderful just to kind of keep tabs and provide updates as needed. So, you know, the doctor thing is just a case by case basis. And the, what's the reality that I can actually get a hold of them <laughs> and how, yeah. how will we, you know, communicate by email, phone, I, you know. That's well, and doctors are a whole other thing because I find that there's, you know, w- with any of my clients that are dealing with medical issues, I think I find like half of the conversations are about how to navigate doctors and, and yes. disbelief, especially with, with folks who have kind of some of the stuff that can potentially be tied back to like past trauma or those mm-hmm. kinds of things. So they're, they're sending them off to therapy and not believing their symptoms or they're, mm-hmm. they're providing solutions that provide more side effects than... Than and helping, helping, and that kind of stuff. And so, I think it can be a delicate relationship when you're thinking about the doctors. How, what do you find that you're doing with your clients in session as far as helping them to navigate the chronic illness? I mean, obviously, it's that plus whatever you know, life right. hands them and their relationships. But how do you know? Like, what are the types of stuff that you think is helpful in, in treatment for those for your clients? Well, if they're in a lot of distress, if they're having a hard time functioning, if they're having a hard time, you know, sticking to, you know, regular duties or appointments and stuff like that, then I'll kind of put on a case management hat mm-hmm. and go that route. So it just depends, again, their level of functioning. And if they're not in that kind of a state where they need that type of approach, I'll still kind of trickle it in and do just, you know, day to day um, time management priorities, like what are your top two priorities for this week? Um, let's let's make some in- incremental goals to kind of help you get get into that you know uh, direction. I also try to help fo- help them foster that support. Like who can they go to outside of therapy? I say, okay, obviously you got you got me. I'm like I'm in your mm-hmm. corner, but but outside of our one on one time together. Who do you go to and just kind of explore that and and help them kind of branch out in that way, slowly allowing them because sadly, a lot of people with chronic illness and pain, they feel like they can't talk about these things with their friends or family Mm -hmm. or whatever. So it's, it's kind of like this trying to find either new relationships or, or modifying current relationships in a way where they can still be true to themselves and talk about how they're feeling at least a little bit with their friends or seek out other supports. Like maybe they have fibromyalgia and I can help them getting connected with a fibromyalgia support group online or in person. So, you know, I kind of tailor it that way. I'm always curious about the laws and the ethics of like really going outside the scope of what our our license would traditionally teach us. Mm -hmm. You obviously have your personal experiences that have guided a lot of your knowledge in this area, but where do you turn for resources in learning some of the various aspects of maybe chronic pain or 
illnesses that you don't have such the personal experience with, but because of that shared kind of common history that, you know, a number of, of medical patients, chronic pain patients would have, where do you turn for resources on this? Um, well, I, for my own health process, I went and dove a lot into functional medicine. So I'm not one, I'm not in one lane or the other. I think there can be a happy balance between conventional medicine and functional medicine, but I found the most education and insight from functional medicine practitioners because they look at the whole body and how all the systems of the body interact and how that can affect the vagus nerve, which is the, you know, core wiring for our nervous system and how the vagus nerve can impact our mood and impact, you know, influence our pain and our health symptoms. So I, I kind of go in that direction. And so there are, you know, functional medicine practitioners, I'll butcher his name because it's a long name, but one of them is Datis Kazarian. He's like a neuroscientist and, uh, you know, a doctor of chiropractics. So I kind of turn to those individuals. The reality is, is that just now they're starting to introduce continuing education for nutrition and mental health. I just educate myself based on what I learned from nutritionists and dietitians, stuff I, I research myself. And I'm in the process of now, because the courses are available for MFTs in California, I'm now in the process of, of going through one particular program, but I'm not quite done yet. So as of now, I frame it as psychoeducation. because that's So I present people with information and I give them, I, I, I have no problem looking into options for them, uh, whether it's, you know, if they have fibromyalgia and I say, you know, I went, I don't know if you knew, but you can just uh, go to this website, the Association of Fibromyalgia or whatever, whatever. And I found a bunch of these different groups in, in the area and maybe you can go take a look and inquire. So I don't tell them they need to go do a thing or go see this type of doctor or that. I say, well, these are the different types of practitioners that are potential options for you. You know, so, so that's how I balance it. It's, it's education. My mom's a, t a retired teacher, so I kind of have that hat on too. So it's up to you to decide, you know, what you want to do with this information. But this is the information that I have provided to other patients um, and they have found it helpful. And you take with it what you, what you will. So that's my line. I, I hope that works for, <laughs> for them. But that's what I do. <laughs> well, and I think it's if you started prescribing medication or specific diet plans or those things before going through the certification, I think it gets it gets dicey. I think for myself, the way I approach this, Curtis, is I'll suggest kind of questions that clients can ask their doctors to explore something more deeply. You know, or if I identify some you know, kind of typical side effects for a medication or something, I will say, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not sure. I, you know, there's these things that you're describing that you haven't described before. Maybe this is something you should bring back to your doctor mm -hmm. because, and I don't say because I think it's a side effect, right? You know, I don't like try to, you know, make that assessment. I just say, hey, I'm noticing this. This is of concern. I think this is something to take to your doctor. And so I think it's, 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 you have to walk the line, but when you know a lot of information, it can be hard not to share it mm -hmm. so, because I think it's so important that our clients have that knowledge. And a lot of times doctors don't share it. I think there's some great doctors and, and certainly functional medicine can often, you know, kind of have more of a, a style of, of really meeting the person and doing kind of a whole person treatment. Mm -hmm. But I think there's, there's so often that the, the, the medical, model is one of, you know, I've got to do a million tests, I've got to provide a million medications, and 
you know, especially for folks who who get sick younger, it's I'm just trying to make them feel okay. And it's not like I'm trying to help them live a, a thriving life. So it doesn't matter that they have these horrible side effects or, you know, those kinds of things. So I think it's it's educating on the types of questions that might be helpful to ask is kind of how I've approached it anyway. Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree. And I do that too, as well. And I, um, I just probably didn't get into that type of detail just now. But but one thing I like to do at the beginning, uh, starting off with clients is ask them, like, when was their last physical? Have you had your thyroid checked? You know, mm-hmm. trying to do some rule outs. And also, like a lot of people have anxiety. Now, anxiety can be caused by so many things, environmental or biological. And so I ask them, have you had your magnesium, vitamin D, vitamin B levels checked? Hormone levels, like hormones. Um, I mean, there's so many things that are, that should, in a perfect world, a patient should be getting checked every year. But most of the time when I ask patients, these things are like, oh, I can't even remember the last time I had a physical. And I said, okay, I said, you know, you do what you want to do. Obviously you're your own person and you make those decisions. I said, but for me to be able to do my best work here, it will really help me to be better able to tailor my approach based on what's going on in that department. If you're deficient in something and the side effect is anxiety or poor sleep, then that is a root, that is a quote unquote root cause that can be addressed medically with your doctor. Um, And then after you get some treatment and whatever that entails, then we can see where things are at and I can tailor what's happening at that point, you know? So, so it's really for your best interest. If basically is what I try to convey to them and they're, they appreciate that conversation. Yeah. I think that's really, I I really like that. I think that's so critical. And the fact that you have, you know, kind of areas that they can explore without kind of prescribing or that kind of stuff. I think that's so important. And I think that's something very unique that you offer to your clients. I, I want to shift to you at this point, because I think it's important for for our, you know, the fellow therapists that are f- having other types of, you know, kind of chronic illnesses or, or something chronic that they're dealing with. How do you take care of yourself as a therapist when you're facing these types of, of issues? How do you manage your practice? How do you make sure that you're not getting into that space where you're running yourself down or, or doing things that aren't in your best interest or, or in your client's best interest if you're not healthy yeah. enough. Yeah, I've come to definitely realize um, whether whether I wanted to or not was I really had to identify where I was at and rest when needed and not feel guilty about it. Letting go of the guilt. <laughs> that is a big one. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's not easy. <laughs> I need you to keep telling me that too. <laughs> <laughs> because I know, I know if I push myself, I'm just, I'm the one suffering and, and my ability to be fully present and attentive to my clients is not there. So it, it impacts my ability to do good work. And I'm like, nope, not having that. So um, if I need to reschedule this session and just lay down and watch something on Netflix for a while, then okay. Other people around me might be annoyed, <laughs> but that's their issue. <laughs> you know, that's a whole other conversation, but but trying to kind of just take care of yourself and pace yourself because you know yourself best. That's something I try to tell people with chronic illness, whether they're a clinician or a patient. Um, you know, you know yourself best and you know, you know intuitively when you need to kind of dial things back a bit, because if you don't, then you're going to pay the price. You're going to suffer the consequences and it's not worth it. You come to realize time after time, after a while, when you see the pattern continuing and continuing, it's just not worth it um, because your quality of life suffers. And it's not just you as the individual, whether you're a clinician or a client, it affects those around you too. Because if you're hurting and in pain, if you have a medical stuff going on, you're probably not in a good mood. 
you're maybe a little irritable, um, and, and everyone feels that, and it can make everyone feel on edge. So, so it has a negative, it can have a negative domino effect that way too. Um, so professionally, yeah, you, you want to make sure to take care of yourself because you don't want that to resonate in a negative way. Um, you know, you don't want to model that kind of lack of self-care, let's say, and you don't want that to negatively impact how you're perceived by your peers, irritable and hurting and, and all of that. And go see your own therapist, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And, and build friendships and with other clinicians um, who have illness, if, if you're so, uh, you know, able to connect in that way with others. That's been a real, um, a real asset for me personally. Because then you, it's like the trifecta. It's like, okay, you're a clinician, so you get it. You have chronic illness, you get it, um, you know? Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. Is there ever a struggle with hope of knowing that this is not necessarily going to get better, that it's not going to get away, whether it's for you personally or, or with your clients and how do you manage around that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say, um, hope is a scary thing for people with chronic illness and chronic pain, or it can be because if they've been dealing with it, anything that's chronic is three months or longer, according to medical standards. So once you've gone maybe let's say longer than three months and it's been years and you've had a bunch of um, moments where you're having hope, Oh, I'm going to try this new approach or I'm going to go see this new specialist and they're going to make me feel better. So you've had hope in your back pocket and then you go and then it doesn't turn out the way you want and your hope is crushed. So having hope can be scary. So I, I kind of shy away from that word for the most part. I like to say managing expectations and being realistic. Because let's say someone has had health problems since they were 12 and just now at the age of 30, they're coming in for therapy. Well, there's been a, kind of a lifetime of stuff going on in your life medically and in your relationships that need to be unpacked. So it's going to, um, it's going to be a process and let's just set some realistic expectations. Maybe, you know, and, and also everyone's diagnosis and potential outcome is different. So some people are in remission and stay in remission. Other people, it fluctuates. Um, it just is a case by case basis. And we take it at that and, and kind of collaboratively work on setting uh, incremental goals. So just, and, and always the key is better quality of life. Like how can, how can I best support them so that they have a better quality of life? They have a stronger, more intimate, uh, fulfilling relationships with people who understand them, aren't judging them or making them feel badly about their circumstances. Um, and so that, that way they're getting the support they need and that they're more resilient and they advocate for themselves. They communicate their needs, whether it's within their relationships with family who might have snarky comments from time to time, like, Oh, she's eating that weird food again or whatever. Yeah. Um, or if it's in a medical setting where the doctor flat out says, I don't believe that you have this diagnosis. I disagree with this doctor and I don't, I, you know, I don't have any answers for you. So, so it's a matter of helping them kind of develop that self-advocacy too. So all of those tools I think are really helpful to manage hope and manage expectations 
to, to really give them the best possible outcome. And I think I, I like what you had to say about hope because I think uh, it kind of blew my mind. So I'm still processing a little bit because I think that's so important to recognize. But I think this idea of hopelessness is one where, you know, if we have learned hopelessness or learned helplessness that we can end up being very depressed. And there is, you know, a good uh, kind of comorbidity of depression and chronic illness. Mm-hmm. But I think being able to find ways that you have practical methods to manage expectations, to to really try to create a, a, a higher quality of life, I think that can be really helpful in improving mood, even if there's still some sadness or that, you know, just kind of the, even the lethargy that can happen when you're dealing with, with chronic illnesses. And so I think to kind of reframe the question or rephrase the question a little bit, how do you keep your mood up? How do you keep your motivation and and momentum up when you're dealing with your own chronic illness and you're seeing these folks who are dealing with things that oftentimes are just really hard and really sad and, and oftentimes don't have a cure? Mm-hmm. Or 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 a long-standing cure. It's it's something that people are always going to deal with. You know those kinds of things. How do you keep yourself positive and focused and and moving forward? I think what really helps me is um, feeling that this is really my purpose. This is what I was meant to do, um, and and that if I don't get the opportunity to work with this particular client. What other options are there? Do, there aren't a lot of clinicians doing this work. And if they do the work, that's great, but they're not that findable online. Yeah, I, mean, I hear it all the time where patients or parents of kids wanting maybe to have them come see me, they're, they're like, you know, I, there's no one. I'm coming from far away. And, you know, so, so I think that's what keeps me, me motivated is because I think really this is, this is part of my mission in life and my purpose and my platform to help people. and not only in a one-on-one setting or online with clients, also in a more public venue, like at a conference. This this last year, I spoke at a conference down in Irvine called the Rare Disease Patient Advocacy Summit. And I'm like, wow, like that wow. is huge. That is such an honor. And, and so I think being able to resonate with people who are seeking that kind of a therapist is what keeps me motivated because I really feel like this is what I'm meant to do. You know, it sounds cheesy. I know (laughs) (laughs) not cheesy at all. It sounds amazing. It does. It sounds like probably the thing that would get most people through it is, is really being able to create a purpose out of the the situation that life has dealt. Mm -hmm. Any last tips for either people, clinicians with chronic illness, or people interested in working with patients with chronic pain and chronic illness? Yes, there was something that had escaped me earlier, and I'm now circling back to that one. And um, I think what's really important for clinicians, um, and even for patients to acknowledge or entertain the idea that they may be grieving, they're probably grieving, and they don't even know it when they're kind of being faced with a chronic illness. So if you're a clinician who happens to be working with someone with chronic pain or illness, chances are the client's going through the stages of grief. And there's not just the seven stages of, or the five stages, there's actually the seven stages of grief. And um, I won't get into all the details, but you can Google that. And it's more tailored to people with chronic pain and illness. So I think just kind of knowing that information, whether you're a patient or a clinician, um, and and getting more versed in how to do grief work if you're a clinician, meeting the client where they're at, and and also having, obviously, a good 
background in trauma because a lot of trauma, you know, there tends to be a, a significant or a moderate amount of trauma for patients who have health issues, um, yeah, chronic pain. So, so having that background. And as for me, um, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And, you know, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, they can, um, they can go to my website, which is westlakevillage-counseling.com. Um, and I provide consultation for online counseling for chronic illness and chronic pain. And I also do speaking engagements for the public and also clinicians. So I'm going to keep doing more of that this year. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I feel like this is such a, an important conversation and I think it is clearly a need and I, I'm glad we were going to ask you where we can find you and we've got that. So we'll put all of those links and, and information in the show notes so people can connect with you. Wealth of knowledge, just a wonderful heart for this population. And I, I so appreciate you being here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been fun, guys. <laughs> Our guest today is Daniela Paoloni. She's in Westlake Village, California. We'll include all of her information in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. While you're on our website, please check out the Therapy Reimagined 2019 conference. We'd love to have you out here in Los Angeles in October. And join our Facebook group, The Modern Therapist Group. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy and Daniela Paoloni. Thank you for listening to The Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code modern gets you two free months.